Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode. This week we get a big history lesson with Peggy Twigs. We'll also find out what made Nicole say. And then 20 years later, it's just like, well, uh, literally half the world is doing this. And why Tom said... Oh gosh, you know what? I hope not. I didn't really like first grade. And some of those kids were just horrible back then. <laughs> All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of Auto Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything that you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. I am so excited about the interview we have coming up today, but Ooh. let's start at the beginning here. <laughs> uh, winter activities are wrapping up soon. We have two shows coming up that will bring in hosts and guests to do some predictions for what's going to go down at WGI championships in the coming weeks. Ooh. The shows will come out the weeks of championships tackling both percussion and guard. So you will be able to listen on your way to Dayton. We've already recorded the guard episode. I got to talk to Cynthia Bernard, Leander Mama, Cindy Berry, and the wonderful Paul Simondak. Who who won? In the right? <laughs> who, won? <laughs> who, won? <laughs> who won? I can't tell you. You gotta wait until you listen to the episode <laughs> next week. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Let's check in, see who's the staff on the sidelines this week, and who's ready to take the Long Ranger first? Nicole, you look like oh. you're ready for it. Pick me, please. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so just, you know, the things about my week. Um, the end of, I, you just said this, you're like, oh, everything's wrapping up, and it actually makes me feel kind of sad because, um, you know, it's the end of the season, uh, and I don't know, it's almost like when you take down Christmas decorations, and you're like, oh, all the stuff is yeah, going Totally. I know, right? And I was just like, oh, that just hit me. So, yeah, I mean, you always hear they have that one, um, what do you call it, like promo that they play. It's like, it's the most wonderful time. Because, <laughs> yeah, you are seeing family and everything, but it is like Christmas. But, um, yeah, getting we're getting close to the end of the season. Um, I literally just did my last show, my last judging show nice. last weekend in um Pennsylvania that was cool and um saw Jeremy and we hung out and took a picture <laughs> and um uh you know just got to see how that side did oh and I also ate a Philly cheesesteak in Philly but later oh. was told I didn't go to the right place for the Philly oh, cheesesteak no. that's okay I don't think you can go wrong and I'm totally jealous because here in California they just look at you like what yeah yeah Pass it off to Tom. <laughs> yeah, pass it to me. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, we're getting ready here in California for SoCal and Northern California percussion championships. And like, I didn't even know California had this many schools. It, like, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's super awesome to see the competitive uh, uh, is coming back. Groups are coming back into the arena. That's awesome. So. That's exciting here in California. And it is, of course, sunny today. A little chilly, but <laughs> always, always sunny. How did uh how did the uh the preparations for your percussion episode with Steven go? 
Uh, well, that, where are they going? I should say tomorrow. Tomorrow, Thursday, oh, okay. we're recording that. Um, Ooh, and I we see. have some special guests. I don't know who Steven's bringing. Um, and uh, I don't think he knows who I'm bringing either. So it'll be fun to to find out who likes who. B-Y-O-G, <laughs> get your guests and bring them on. Right. <laughs> it'll be a good time. Well, before we get too deep into our rehearsal, uh, let's perhaps start with our gush and go time right up front. And Nicole, we were talking, I wish we had been recording our pre-show chatter because we were talking about this pre-show so i you jump on that gush and go girl okay so i am a rookie when it comes to the judging community right now and um one of my biggest things is uh you know like when i would get a tape i remember getting tapes before and i would have to listen to them like three or four times. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to write these big words down because I have no idea what it means. And I can't find it on the rubric on the sheet or whatever. And, you know, it's so it's almost alienating a little bit to get something like that. And it's just like, man, I feel, I mean, for lack of a better word, I feel dumb as an instructor or a designer because I don't understand what this one judge is talking about or this adjudicator is talking about. So, I mean, my biggest thing is, and I definitely brought this up everywhere that I went. I'm not trying to like, you know, challenge the the man or anything like that. Uh, but meeting people where they are and using words that people understand, because you know, like a lot of the designers uh, that are out there, especially for like the um, beginner classes, like regional A, um, you know, they're young, yeah. super young. You know, and they still need to be taught. Yeah, they were taught how to do what they're teaching those kids to do, but now they need to be taught how to be that instructor to how to teach yeah exactly and so um there was a lot of there was a lot of that for me and it's just like I have to I mean I still challenge it too I think they call it judge speak I just yep I it's it's it irks me a little bit because it's just like with every you know new generation of show Um, that comes out and there's new generation of instructors and there's, you know, everything like, so we're all evolving and changing. So though that language has to evolve too, to be able to have that conversation with all the other, you know, instructors. That's something we like when people ask, cause I did my, I did my like level one, level two trainings. And like the, when, when I started doing my local shows after Mm -hmm. doing my training versus before I did my training, um, I actually got asked, like, hey, could you, like, go back, like, to how things were before you got trained? Because, like, you you used to be able to, like, talk to the guards. And a lot of these guards, they don't, the, the at least the smaller local ones, they don't necessarily have an instructor. It might just be the band like, director and he's relying on a student. Right, right. And they don't know that. They're just like, okay, there's a big note here. Let's put them up, you know, yep. so that kind of thing. So I, I completely, I get that. But it's just like. Yeah, a lot of us, you, well, I don't even know if it's a lot of us that do that. But yeah, Tom, you're a judge too. Like, um, is it like that in percussion? Interesting. Um, judging percussion, I find that people like when I just talk like I'm talking to them. Mm-hmm. When I judge color guard, and I'm not saying anything, but when I judge color guard, I have to use more proper terminology. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I've actually gotten a little push, you know, a little little criticism for my color guard tapes like you know we're not drummers being casual <laughs> yeah. yeah more casual and you know I, I think they want more detailed uh things and i appreciate that completely so uh, something i'm working on too 
Yeah, I have definitely, I've uh, judged visual for percussion before and it's reactionary. Like at least for me, like when I'm judging visual for percussion or a a GE for color guard, Mm -hmm. it's all reactionary. So it's just like, I'm reacting to what I'm seeing. I'm, uh, you know, I'm showing you how this is affecting me, you know, whether it's positive or negative, it's an effect. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, totally. That that's so that's my gush. And I think that's what I'm taking away from this season. Like this is my season. Um, you know, how I'm having it and how I'm, you know, dealing with it. And honestly, too, I listen to myself talk so much between this podcast and then listening to my <laughs> own tapes that yeah. it's just like, okay, you know, when I'm using those five, ten, twenty dollar words, like, do I even believe I know what it means? <laughs> Well, and like, I think a question too, is, is this a really valid question is who's asking for the more proper terminology, the instructors, other judges, personally, for me, like with, with me, it's band directors asking for less of the proper terminology, but like, oh. I know it's different and different. See, I've never d- judged WGI or anything like that. So like, who's asking for that on that end of it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. No, understand. I think it's, you know, you're right. I think it's, it's more directors and designers, not not the actual techs and, and, you know, people in the trenches, they would probably prefer a more casual conversation. Yeah. Like get to the point, tell me what you need or tell me what I'm not doing. But then it does all go back to like, yeah, know your sheets. Like a lot of the younger, you know, like, and again, this, this goes back to that whole circle where we started this whole conversation just now is, you know, those younger instructors don't know the sheets you know and so if if there's a way for us to get them to go back to the sheets and say okay this correlates with this work on that section of the rubric in your show yeah so yeah tom what do you want to gush and go about today uh well that time of year um at my high school we have started spring percussion classes where we combine the high school and the middle school it's one of my favorite times of the year we bring the little kids in with the big kids and it's, yeah, they, they get like a big fish partner and it's, it's a cool atmosphere. They get ready for the high school. Yeah. So that's a lot of boom, boom, Tom. it is. I love boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> you don't have to bleep it out or anything. It'd be all right. <laughs> hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but I have something important. I wanted to gush and go on about real quick. I just got done recording an excellent episode of Performer Spotlight with uh, Abel Trujillo from the Broken City Snare Line. And it's so good that we're actually going to start rolling these out as their own episodes. Watch out. It'll upload all the same places that On a Water Break uploads. But we're going to start putting these Performer Spotlights out to be a little bit long form, a little bit more time with these great guests that I've had a great chance to talk to. Um, so watch for it. Performer Spotlight with Abel Trujillo coming out soon. Same place. Look forward to seeing you there. Back to you guys. Hey, Steven. I know you're not even at rehearsal today, but I'm going to send everybody over to you because I'm so excited for them to hear about the bonus content on a water break performer spotlights that you have been working on. They are available now. Also, we have a special gush and go with... Deb Confrido from our very special interview with the president-elect from NAFME. Go ahead and take a listen to what Deb had to gush and go on about. 
Hey everybody, this is Deb Confredo. I'm a professor of music education at Temple University and your president-elect for the National Association for Music Education. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about um, some happy things that have happened in my life and what's going to happen going forward. I just have had the best time this past uh, spring slash, I should say winter slash spring, getting to work with a lot of younger people in the, the, the NAFME organization. I am just so thrilled that we have this groundswell of young folks. And when I say young folks, I mean our collegiates, even our folks in Tri-M and the high schools who are a Tri-M uh, group of folks growing and growing and growing. Also the collegiates, they just have a wonderful voice and um, we wanna make sure that the collegiates are heard because the collegiates are the future of music teaching across the country. So we want those collegiates to feel really welcome and uh, we have more events coming up for the collegiates, including the National Assembly, which is happening in Washington, D.C. in this, this coming June. I want to extend a personal invitation. If you are a collegiate NAFME member, please, please, please think about joining us in Washington. Uh, we are going to do a lot of advocacy work for not just for a band, but for all types of music education. We need your voice. I really want those young folks to become the next layer of leadership across the country. I'll be looking forward to seeing you guys. If you have questions about that, you can uh, you can email me at debconfredo at temple.edu, or you can go to nafme.org for, for more information. Hope to see lots of you guys there. I want to gush about the fact that, you know, I had... I had a baby like a year and a half ago now, and I kind of have not really done a lot of instructing since then, just because it's hard. Um, mm -hmm. But I am going to be doing a clinic in just a couple of weeks, April 22nd. I will be in West Virginia at the University of Charleston doing a color guard clinic. We're just going to go and spin some flags and have a fun day push a little bit of boundaries, especially for kids who are in high school and thinking about going to college. You know, we want to do a, a nice big recruitment push. The University of Charleston is one of the few uh, colleges in the country that offers a color guard scholarship. So wow, wow. That's yeah, exciting. if you've been interested in anybody who's been interested in like checking out their campus and wants to go see what it's like to be on a college color guard or just check out the facilities or meet me or whatever. We'll, we'll spin and have fun. <laughs> you know, back in the day I did one summer uh, choreographing for the university of Dayton, but it was that also like four different shows. They don't do one show. They do like a bunch. <laughs> that drives me crazy. Well, it drives me crazy. It's cool. But also I'm like, I don't know how they do it. Cause like, even when I was in college color guard at Mizzou, we did a different show every week and I don't understand how they do that. <laughs> like a, a new show every single week. It's crazy. Well, I, I just, okay. I need to get on to the next part because, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so excited. I've been working on this all month and uh, it is finally, I say all month, it's April. I was working on it through the entire month of March uh, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Finally, this is the Peggy Twiggs interview. So if you have been a member of Color Guard in the past 50 years or so, you may have heard of an advanced flag spin called the Peggy spin. Uh, this is a technique that was created alongside many of the moves that we now consider basics by a wonderful woman whose name is Peggy Twiggs. 
Uh, she created these when she was a member of the 27th Lancers back in the 1960s and early 1970s. She's had a wide ranging effect on our activity first as an instructor. And then in 20, uh, sorry, 2005, she was inducted into the DCI hall of fame. And then later WGI inducted her into their hall of fame in 2017. Unfortunately, she's been battling a brain disorder that prevents her from speaking. It's called progressive supranuclear palsy. She's been battling this for the past several years, but she still finds ways to communicate with her closest friends and family from as far back as her childhood. So we are super blessed on the podcast for having uh, to have someone here to talk to us today. With Peggy's full support, she has approved all of this. Um, her name is Ann Fields, and she is one of Peggy's earliest color guard friends. So everybody, grab a flag, and uh, <laughs> let's get out there with Peggy Twigs. I'm getting in the front of the block. <laughs> hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about the cookout. The cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, AKA headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram. It's the cookout CG or our Facebook page, The Cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Hey everyone, it's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, here from the Marching Roundtable Podcast. I gotta tell you, this week's podcast, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's called Trusting Your Gut in the Creative Process. Jessica Slaybaugh talks with Zachary Barber, and they do it in the context of creating a winter guard show, but it's all about kind of figuring out if things are going well when you're putting your show together, when to know when to pivot, maybe make some changes. I think you'll enjoy that conversation. Next week on Monday, April 10th, Matt James is here as part of our series on three things I wish I'd known when I first started teaching. Matt James, of course, was the director of bands at Lawrence Central High School and had those wonderful shows and wonderful bands for so many years. I'm sure that you'll be interested in hearing what he has to say, advice for you as you're doing your own teaching, especially if maybe you're early in your career. And then the week after, on Monday, April 17th, well, I gotta tell you, you can't always have a great podcast. I had a hard time finding a guest, so I'm gonna be talking with this group from this new podcast called On a Water Break. And you know, it may not be our best episode ever, but I think you'll enjoy hearing from uh, some of the hosts. They seem to have thousands of them, but anyway, some of the hosts are on that to talk about how they put the podcast together and the lessons they've learned as they've started the process. So make a note, April 17th, a group from On the Water Break and enjoy the podcast we have out now. And remember, you can find over 1,100 podcasts at our website at marchingroundtable.com. Hope that you'll go and listen and learn. Hey, this is Christine Ream. And Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 
in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. All right. So for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, I am talking today to Ann Fields. We, she is a very good friend of Peggy Twiggs. And uh, I'm I'm so excited to be talking to you because some of the stories that you have are just incredible. You know, we, we've kind of gone back and forth on the phone over the last month or so. And, you know, I had talked to Sadie on the podcast earlier this month, and she kind of went over some of Peggy's later instructional years. And but you've known Peggy for a really long time. So how long have you known Peggy? Um, I figured it out about 55 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, she was about 15 years old, Peggy and I. And it's funny, we share birthdays practically. Hers is May 4th and mine's May 5th. But as she oh. likes to remind me, I was born in the 40s and she was born in the 50s. So um, <laughs> we've, kept, we've, we've been friends all these years, you know, from the time, you know, she was only 15 years old. Um, so when in throughout all the decades you know sometimes we see each other more often you know uh, like now we see each other all the time every single week so yeah oh that's amazing I just I think it's so great that she has such a great support group with mm. you know with friends like you because you're just there for her for whatever she needs right right so how did you guys meet were you did you meet in marching arts together or or was it yeah, yeah. Something you went together Peggy's two brothers joined the Reverend Senior Corps, and I was in the Senior Corps, and um, Peggy was in the Junior Corps at that time. I asked her what she carried, and she said a flag, and um, she was a flag because she wasn't good enough to be a rifle, and I oh. think the attitude among the, uh, I think, Peggy, that's why she was such a wonderful flag instructor. She changed a lot of people's opinions on what was the best piece of equipment to be on and what may have the most effect but um so I've known Peggy and then we went on to the 27th Lancers uh we were in the original Corps 1968 and um we taught together from 19 she started teaching in 1974 I was teaching from 71 to 78 and she continued on with the Lancers and then went to cadets but We've always maintained our friendship and we taught many units together too, as well. St. Joe's of Medford and um, she taught um, Urte and um, Holy Family Rockland, you know, but we've always, you know, continued our friendship. What was Peggy like in those early days? Was she, was she pretty outspoken or was she more reserved? And, and what was your guys' relationship like? Um, she was never reserved. She was always a character. She just had that personality. She would get people on the bus and have everybody singing and ask me, please, not to sing. Um, <laughs> because I have a terrible voice. And she would do opera. She was just the life of the party. She just had a phenomenal personality. I mean, anybody that remembers her, even from the early days, 
you know, she was just a character, you know, she, her personality stood out. How did that kind of translate over as, of, of course, you know, we, we know that like being a color guard performer tends to, you know, be helped by being outgoing and outstanding like that. But how did that translate to her instructional style? So you said you guys taught together for a while too. Like, how did she, how did she relate with her students, I guess? What was it like um, to be on Peggy's guard? <laughs> okay, that's one of the last things that I just came up with this morning and oh, nice. uh, thinking about it as far as her strength. Her strength was her ability, her ability to communicate and connect with her students. Um, people had funny names. In fact, um, the past couple of years, I used to write all her happy birthday messages for her because she could no longer type or even see. So, um, and I found out, you know, all the different names and nothing was ever derogatory. I mean, back in the day, we had names, crazy names. And you say, I'm sorry, I refuse to repeat that. But was Peggy, um, there was one Lance, Laurie Corwin McBride, who's still teaching to this day. And she called her Corwina. Everyone had their little nickname. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought that they were Peggy's favorite. She had that ability with, you know, no matter how many people were in the flag line, you know, she had a special connection with them. You know, oh, here's your flagpole. This is the right weight for you. <laughs> and I would look at her and just start laughing because they were all the same. But <laughs> you know, she had that ability, you know, to connect with people from from the very beginning. We yeah. that that argument over this is my flag, this is my flag. No, they're all the same, no, they're different. That still goes on to this day. I can tell you oh, really? <laughs> we work with I work with so many guards, and that's that's literally it's it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere. <laughs> mm. So what drew you to be friends with Peggy in the beginning? How did you decide you wanted to connect with her? What started your relationship? It's funny because, you know, we were in the color guard together and she had gone to my, she was a friend of my cousins, which I didn't realize they had gone to high school together. And she said to my cousin, why is Ian Fields picture on your mantle? So that's my cousin. And then, oh. um, yeah, I, so we had a connection there too, but um, I, I don't even remember when I met Peggy. It's just like, I just feel like I've always known her. Mm. And um, the funny thing about Peggy is way back in the day, Peggy wanted to be a drummer. And that's before, I mean, oh. if, if you were a girl, you were in the color guard. And to this day, you know, that's one thing. If you gave her drumsticks, she could sing out parts. And I think that was a strong part of her, her teaching ability, too. She would sing all the different parts rather than just do counts. Nice. So, you know, she'd lo always love drumming. And I feel like that, like singing the parts has kind of really carried into the color guard culture now. And, mm. and, and I've, I've seen a lot of groups do that. You know, we did that when we were in, when I was in DCI, when I marched blue stars, we would sing our parts and, and uh, instead of counting, or we would count in the musical tones that it, right. it just kind of helps it stick in your mind so much. We always talk about the Peggy spins and of course. Uh, even her healthcare worker, Rosanna, who has been a blessing, um, has gone with us to the um, to see the cadets and stuff. And she's just overwhelmed. And, you know, the respect that people have just for the name Peggy, you know, because she calls her Margaret. But um, 
1972, when Peggy was marching in the Lances, Ike Ionessa, who was a fabulous instructor and an innovator in the Massachusetts area, um, decided that he wanted to have six girls become trick flags. And they were six of the most talented, and they were going to do things that the rest of the flag line would not do or probably couldn't do. And Peggy was put in charge of those six girls. And I think that's where, you know, that feeling of being a part of something in something that was new and different, I think that's what started Peggy on that path because someone saw something in her, which was, you know, a real how old was she at that point? Um, she was, um, it was her next to the last year matching. So she was probably 20 years old. Okay, okay. Because she aged out in 73. So then um, when she aged out in 73, in 74, the drum corps was not that good. Uh, we uh, 27th came in 20th place. Oh. But Peggy, along with Stephen Kovitz, who was another innovator in this area, um, would do routines together. And he would do something with a rifle. And she said, well, if you can do it, I can do it with a flag. And that's ah. basically where, you know, a lot of the creativity, you know, came in. And then after that, in 1975, a large, along with George Zingali, we taught the flag line. And, um, you know, Peggy, as they say, was on her way, you know, yeah. into being one of the best in the area. And the Peggy spins, how she ever came up with a hundred spins on the left hand, right hand, and every single unit in this whole area. And I know, you know, that she has all her, um, her spins are, are far and wide across the country. It's, and, and it's spread not only across the country, but I'll tell you, I, I lived in Brazil for a little while and I taught some color guard while I was down there. And those students knew mm. what a Peggy spin was going into, you know, I, I, it wasn't even from me. They, they were going into it. So it's like, this has spread around the world, really. Right. Because I know my friend Stephen taught in Colombia and um, they had uh, people there that were big yeah. followers of DCI and they, you know, came to DCI to see it. And, you know, so I, I know it, it is funny, <laughs> you know, it's such a small local activity, but you know well yeah and, and that's how it started I I don't know I what what's your favorite what's your favorite memory of Peggy what's your favorite Peggy story there were so many I mean she lived in a house with a bunch of drum corps people and uh you know it, it was just like that they were always out in the backyard and throw it in fact when they moved out of the house they noticed all the 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 ceilings had dents in them from people doing tosses oh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and it, it's really, it's like a family is what it is, you know, between George Zingali and Stephen and uh, all the people who came up through, through the uh, 27th organization. I, I just can't, none of us can imagine our lives without it, but especially Peggy. It, it had a big effect on her, you know, because she had difficulty in school. It's not that she wasn't bright. She found out she had dyslexia. So I think this really... I know how it made a major difference in her life and to go, no matter where she goes, everybody knows who she is. And I wonder if her dyslexia, and maybe this is something that you've talked to her about before, but I wonder if her dyslexia maybe is part of what contributed to her 
being able to create these new, the new moves that she was creating and being able to put things on the left hand and the right hand, because before, before her uh, creations, wasn't most of the flag line stuff performed on the right hand and most of the rifle was performed on the left, correct? Uh, yes, um, we carried our flags on our right hip because we wore an Aussie hat and mm. we, it was actually a CM Brown belt and they had, um, it was really a flashlight holder. And that's where we kept our flags. Oh, that's so but cool. When Peggy became a trick flag, they didn't have the same belts. They didn't have any belts. Okay. You know, they, uh, you know, they carried, they just carried the flags in their hands. So that was, you know, some of the beginning of it. Wow. I never even knew that about the flashlight holders. So basically you would just like <laughs> click your flagpole into your belt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was on the right hand side. Yeah. On the right hand side. So basically, you know, everything that you did was from there, whether it was a present or sweeping, but it wasn't out until, you know, then with Peggy and stuff, you know, in uh, 72 when she started it. And then it kind of filtered down through the whole core. It was 72 and 73. And then after that, you know, it, it was just the flag line in general did all those things. That's amazing. So basically what we have today is entire color guards full of trick flags. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I tried to look up some of the past ones. I, I remember, I think it was in 1976, Larry McCormick, who was um, um, who did videos in in okay. um, sold drum equipment or something, and the Lances had owed him some money. So um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, they had the color guard do all of their um, warm ups and everything, and they made a video. And I can't find it. I looked up Larry McCormick today. The only thing I can find is um, um, about the nineteen eighty Lances. When you look at the eighty Lances, you can see the kind of flag line. And so then when you see cadets and stuff, after you see the 80 lances, and then uh, Peggy said she went to cadets in 82, you know, and she okay. and George, uh, and Jerry Corradino as well, we lost, you know, all those people on the staff went to cadets at that point. I'll have to look up those videos and see if I can see yeah. if I can find, I'll do some research. Maybe our listeners, maybe someone who's mm -hmm. listening knows, uh, knows, about Larry McCormick's videos and we can we can find those and get those shared out with the world because that's that's amazing seeing some of this historical footage and just for just for people who are in the activity to know where it came from and why we do what we do and why we do it the way we do it I think that's so important and Larry McCormick also had other people. I don't know whether Mickey Kelly was one of the people that showed a flag and they had different rifle people. So they had all these videos that if you were learning before they had camps, basically around the time they we used to do um, band camps and stuff and they would fly staffs in, you know, to work with them. But I know they had videos of this, too, you know. That's that's incredible. And and did they have videos of of Peggy's warmups and and things that she had created? As I remember, but I remember doing the whole run through and stuff and watching and you can hear Peggy and George throughout the whole thing in Ann Arbor. I I just and for some reason I think it was 76, it could have been 78, but and I even looked up 27th Lances in Ann Arbor, you know, with Larry McCormick. I didn't have any luck, but 
Well, we'll have to, we'll have to look for it. We'll have to get, get our feelers out there and get our history yeah. researchers on, on the case. Do you think she, let's say, do you think she would like the way that things are, are going now? Is she still involved in watching Color Guard at all? The last few times that Peggy has seen any drum corps is when we took her um, to see the cadets when they were practicing locally. So mm -hmm. um, Denise Bonfiglio, who uh, her parents started the 27th Lances, was the director two years ago of the cadets. So we were the only ones, no one ever knew that Peggy and I had gone. And uh, wow. we had gone to their practice because it was a closed site. And at that point, she really couldn't see. And okay. I said to her, what do you think? She said, I can hear it. And that's when they had almost all except five flags were brand new. And um, but they got the whole color guard together and everybody always knew Peggy's story. That's one thing I give cadets credit for. Nice. Everybody always knew Peggy. Whenever she came there, they, you know, she was so wonderful to her. But at that point, that was really like one of the last times that she's she can't really see anything now. But um, I think she would be happy with the way it's gone. She's still friendly with a lot of the people like John Vandercoff, you know, who um, um, has done blue coats. You know, um, I think like myself, I still have am a supporter of the drum corps through the years. People say it's changed. But everything has changed. Yeah. Sports have changed. I mean, it, you know, being from Boston, the Celtics have changed, you know, from when, you know, Larry Bird played till now. And it's the same thing with the activity. You yeah. know, it cost a lot of money. And, I, you know, someone like Peggy wouldn't have been able to join drum corps. Yeah. In, you know, in this day and age, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of barriers now too, that, that I don't know that I would have been able to join it now if I was young. It's, it's so much more difficult. I think it's more expensive and, and, you know, the, the standards just keep going higher and higher every oh, year. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Would you, yeah. or do you think Peggy would be all right with you talking about kind of what has what has happened to her? What what is going on with her that she doesn't have very good vision and and has trouble communicating now? Well, I, I I think the best thing about it is for people to be aware of you know what some other people you always say everybody has a story and this is Peggy's story. Fourteen years ago, she started to lose her balance and she was diagnosed with supranuclear palsy, mm -hmm. which is a neurological disease. And in that time, she uh, basically needs 24-hour care. Sadie mm -hmm. has been wonderful and has set up a foundation. And through the years, people have raised a lot of money to help with Peggy's care. Uh, the cadet girls, um, I say girls, um, they come every year, visit her, you know, and spend the afternoon. And they'll do, they'll bring out their flags, along with um, Rob Godin, too, has been wonderful. You know, he'll show up and uh, visit with the cadet girls and with Peggy. So uh, the disease has progressed. And right now she doesn't have any ability really to speak. It's a yeah. thumbs up bar, you know, and it's, you know, she's lost her vision. But her sense of humor, if I say anything <laughs> wrong, she'll just look at me and shake her head. Her, her brain is unbelievable. That's something that they say that that she's survived a lot longer than most people that have this uh, this type of palsy, right? 
Yeah. Um, usually they live about seven years and she's going on 14 years. I, I think that's just such a testament to, to, to you and to her wife, Denise and, and everybody who's, and, and Sadie, of course, and everybody who's been supportive oh. of her. That yeah. it's just awesome. She's had so much help. What is something that you think Peggy would want to, would want today's color guard performers and young instructors to know going into the new season you know as we wrap up WGI we're going into DCI again like what do you think she would want to let them know like as advice for the season yeah you know what Peggy always treated everyone the same in other words you know years ago if you were a rifle or saber it was considered better you know that you were more talented and I think Peggy's one of the ones that really made it known that you know um a flag is a very important piece of equipment and adds so much to the show. Um, and I think people know that now. I know with George Zingali, when he had his competitive color guard, he was one of the first ones to put everybody on the ending and everybody had flag. Mm, yes, yes. So, the big flag feature closing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, you know, it's really hard to know what she would want to say to people, you know, as much as, I mean, I haven't taught with her since 1978 mm-hmm. and, you know, our friendship has taken a different form, you know, fortunately she lives very close to me. She used to walk over with her dogs, you know, the doorbell would ring. It'd be Peggy standing there with one or two of the dogs. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure, you know, I, I know she's really happy that people still think of her and uh, and uh, admire her for what she did. And and she just did it out of sheer love. She just loves the activity and, you know, and they are, it, they're her family, the cadets. I mean, she was with staff. She was with so many different units. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, she, and, and it's so great that she was, she was able to spread that, that sort of progressive influence so far throughout our activity. I just, I love it so much. Well, and thank you so much for all of your help with this and, you know, for being such a great friend to Peggy and for being able to come on and talk about her on our show. This has been really awesome getting to meet you and getting to talk to you. And uh, it's wonderful what Sadie has done too. And um, uh, Sadie was concerned that people would think that she was part of the Peggy spins. And I said, uh, you don't understand, Sadie. Peggy just thinks the world of her and what has, you know, Sadie's been such a wonderful friend to her. So uh, I said, no, you know, Peggy, Peggy's not like that. It's it's not about her, you know, it, it's about the activity and the friends. Well, and if anybody wants to help out with that, with some of the work that Sadie's doing, there's actually uh, on Facebook, there's a group that's called the Peggy Twigs uh, actually, I think it's called the Margaret Peggy Margaret. Twigs Fan Club. It is. And you can join the group. And uh, I know Sadie does fundraisers in there. And um, and yeah, there's a lot do- of people who share like old memories from from the good old days of drum corps. <laughs> right. In fact, um, I know uh, many times like in um, we go to Allentown and she'll have people in the back and they'll meet and stuff and do Peggy spins and uh, you know, you know, j- just to keep people together. You I know? love that so much. I, yeah. I need to get back up to Allentown again and, and oh, jump in I on this. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for all you do to, you know, 
healthy activity and stuff. And uh, even though I've been in the activity for many, many years and people kind of put it down, it's still entertaining. And you know what? Those kids still build the same friendships that we did mm. way back in the day. And, and that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. It's your contributions too are so, so, so appreciated. Yep. Thank you. Hey, this is Nicole, one of your hosts for On a Water Break, and I want to tell you about The Cookout. The Cookout is an event celebrating people of color in Color Guard. This event is happening in Dayton, Ohio, April 16th, the day after WGI finals at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel, aka headquarters. There will be presenters and speakers, networking opportunities, food, and more. To get more information on how to get your tickets to go to the cookout, visit marchingcookout.com or visit our Instagram, it's the cookout CG, or our Facebook page, The Cookout. We can't wait to see you there. Hey everyone, it's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, here from the Marching Roundtable Podcast. I gotta tell you, this week's podcast, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's called Trusting Your Gut in the Creative Process. Jessica Slaybaugh talks with Zachary Barber. And they do it in the context of creating a Winter Guard show, but it's all about kind of figuring out if things are going well when you're putting your show together, when to know when to pivot, maybe make some changes. I think you'll enjoy that conversation. Next week on Monday, April 10th, Matt James is here as part of our series on three things I wish I'd known when I first started teaching. Matt James, of course, was the director of bands at Lawrence Central High School and had those wonderful shows and wonderful bands for so many years. I'm sure that you'll be interested in hearing what he has to say, advice for you as you're doing your own teaching, especially if maybe you're early in your career. And then the week after, on Monday, April 17th, well, I gotta tell you, you can't always have a great podcast. I had a hard time finding a guest, so I'm gonna be talking with this group from this new podcast called On a Water Break. You know, it may not be our best episode ever, but I think you'll enjoy hearing from uh, some of the hosts. They seem to have thousands of them, but anyway, some of the hosts are on that to talk about how they put the podcast together and the lessons they've learned as they've started the process. So make a note, April 17th, a group from On the Water Break. And enjoy the podcast we have out now. And remember, you can find over 1,100 podcasts at our website at marchingroundtable.com. Hope that you'll go and listen and learn. Hey, this is Christine Ream and Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over $125,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. So yeah, that was my interview with Ann about Peggy Twigs. Oh my gosh, I absolutely had such a great time talking to her. I think it's amazing how she 
they've been friends for so long and she still goes to visit her once a week and they're doing all these things to make sure that like there is, you know, still a piece of Peggy in the world and people still get to communicate with her through her friend. Oh yeah, for sure. She, and, and to see all of that, like, I think that's awesome. Like, honestly, it really think about it. Like I, I, I mastered Peggy spins before I mastered drop spins. I don't know if that oh my gosh. was to go. Right. Right. And I don't, I don't know if that was the way it was supposed to go, but now every time I hear about Peggy, I'm just like, I love your spins. <laughs> I love yes. your work. <laughs> well, well, and that's one of the things like just having those people around her, I think is a really big reason why she has like outlived her life expectancy of this disease so much mm-hmm. because she just has so much support from her family, from her friends who come and visit her. And and there's just such a good structure there of of people that love having her in her life that she just can, you know, can press through and, and has something to look forward to every day. Right. And with that, I mean, what? It was seven. She's 70 now. I think I think so. I think we didn't talk about her age, but I think she's in her 70s. <laughs> okay. So, so- Right. I don't think we're allowed ever to ask that, are we? <laughs> I was just making, you know, doing the math. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, when you're given a certain amount of time with, you know, a brain disease yeah. and you've exceeded that, far exceeded it, you know, like there's a lot that these people or that the people that are, you know, the support, mm-hmm. there's a lot that they are bringing to the forefront of, you know, everything that they're doing. Because, you know, what they can't do for themselves, those people are. And what? Yeah. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I. Her friend's been around her since she was seven. (laughs) You know, I don't know. And, you know, I'm hoping that I have friends who, when I was seven, will be around when I'm, you know, that old. And then. Oh, gosh. You know what? I hope not. I didn't really like first grade. (laughs) And some of those kids were just horrible back then. But the fact that she has been in uh, DCI, I mean, and honestly, too, I mean, I know 2017 and then 2015. Those so are the 2000, two 2005, she was in, inducted to DCI, and then 2017 was WGI, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm glad that she was able to see those, you know? Yeah. There are a lot of people who've been inducted into the Hall of Fame of DCI who don't get to see it. Yeah. Yeah, don't get to see that legacy and and, you know. Yeah, be a part of it. And just for sure. know how many people out there still hear about her and know about her and care about her, basically, is is like the big part of it, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, she totally left her mark, you know, in so many ways on the activity. It's, it's you know, she's got something named after her, which, you know, I think is all of our goal in this activity, right? I want the Tom Shura rudiment one day. <laughs> I, two years ago when I stopped teaching, I taught Peggy Spins every year. Every year. I'm like, you should know this. This is a staple. She is a staple. Yeah. Well, there's so many other moves that weren't named after her that she still invented that were, we just use them and we don't even know that they're hers because of whatever the name is. Cause she just called them whatever she did and then gave them to us. It's it's just to be in the room when something is invented like that and be like, meh, we're just going to do it. Yeah. And then 20 years later, it's just like, well, literally half the world is doing this. Yes. That's the great thing, though. When those those things happen, you don't know you're inventing something. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're just exploring your own creativity, and hopefully someone thinks it's cool. And 
<laughs> That's why we do what we do. This, That's why this we is absolutely yep. true. So true. Well, we have a lot more to get to on this water break, so let's get right into it. Whitney is back this week with some info to help you wrap up the end of your season in this week's Wisdom from Whitney. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Wisdom with Whitney. I know that many of you are done with your season at this point, and maybe if you are lucky enough to be traveling to Dayton for WGI, you will be preparing for that right now. If you are done with your season, here are some things that I would recommend doing. That you are taking apart all of your equipment from the season, retape every single thing, strip everything down to the bare piece of equipment that you can, wash all of your show silks, retape rifles, check for rifles that may need to be thrown away or fixed in some way and just make sure you are keeping a clear inventory of what you have, what you want to sell, guard closet, um, and what you may want to reuse for another season. Um, also, make sure you are cleaning your tarp before you put it away. Take some good pictures of it. Take pictures of your props. Have those prepped to either be stored or sell them if you can. Um, it's always easy to get a little bit of money back from all of your really expensive purchases if you can. Um, just, you just have to put in the time and effort to, to post them or send all of your stuff somewhere to be resold in your closet. But other than that, um, I hope everybody has a fabulous WGI week. I can't wait to see everybody there. It's going to be amazing. Happy end of everybody's season. If you're actually done or if you're about to be done, I hope it is fabulous. Thank you. Thanks, Whitney. What are the things that you all do when you're closing out one season and getting ready to start the next one? Cry. But <laughs> <laughs> same. same. I mean, okay, okay. So one of my biggest things to is, there, oh, sorry, my phone wrong. Um, one of the big things I'm running out of time all of a sudden, like dun, 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 like the Academy Awards. I know. <laughs> well, you want to when you're finishing up, like my biggest thing is okay, let's make sure that uh everyone is thanked. And um, so I always had a box of thank you cards. And it's not just like everyone in the guard. I always wrote everyone in the guard a thank you card, but like also I sent a thank you card to the people that made our uniforms. I sent a, a thank you card to people who made our flags, um, to the parents that were there at each show. Um, and then I knew how to get in touch with the people who drove our buses. So they got a thank you card. Like, I think it's it, a thank you goes a long, long way. And if you can't give them money, <laughs> You know, just showing them that they are appreciated. And yes, because like, honestly, that time, like if you tell them thank you one year and you need them again the next year, then, you know, it skips with all those introductions and you already know each other. There's, you know, and there's more that comes with that. Not to mention, like, there's so much more that comes out of it when they know what you're doing, what your group's doing and how hard they work and everything like that. So thank you. And they know they're appreciated. They're, they're willing to put it back, put that effort in again. Oh gosh. We're here learning life lessons, but please and thank you go so far in life. (laughs) You would never know how many people just don't say it and they just, okay, well, see you next year. 
same time next year. And it's just so, like, mm, no. one thing that we do is like, we, we take care of our equipment. Like we strip down our flags and, and put everything uh-huh. away properly and whatever we wash everything. Tom, do, do drummers have a similar thing that they do? Uh, oh, sure. Um, you know, but a lot of programs are going straight into fall season already. So they're going to start mm. spring and summer drumming, but we do, um, end of a season inventory, you know, strip down the keyboards and take all the unnecessary gadgets and toys off that we had in the winter, uh, you know, for a fresh slate and palette for the, the fall season. Do you take the wraps off the drums and everything like that too? Uh, my school, we leave them on well into the fall until we have the new ones. Uh, okay, gotcha. But okay. some schools take them off right away and uh, inventory it and there it is for future seasons perhaps. True story. That literally is just like what we do. I call, I used to call it strike day. Like Jackie said, we'd strip all the flags off the Mm. poles and everyone would wash them. Like, you know, it's like, okay, how many flags do we have in this bag? All right. You take it home and wash it and bring it back. Make sure they're folded. You know, that kind of thing. stuff. And not to mention too, like sometimes those, those flags will turn into fundraisers for you. Or let me just do a little plug. You could always send it to the guard closet. Yes. Send your equipment to guard closet. (laughs) Well, we bought most of our stuff from the guard closet. So we turn around and and, there you go. Resell it so we can buy more from the guard closet. Yes. And if you do it for consignment, I mean, not, this is not a paid advertisement, but if you do it for <laughs> consignment credit, <laughs> you make even more money off of it than if you do it for a check. So it's awesome. Okay. So, hey, yeah. wait, let's go to our next segment. <laughs> so our friends at the Drum Major Leadership Academy are giving us some leadership and drum major tips each week. So take it away, DMLA. Hey everyone, this is Beth, one of your On A Water Break hosts. I am here in Epcot with one of my groups since I'm a group travel planner with Peak. And I know you're expecting to hear Joshua today with another great tip tip about DMLA training. But guess what? We are working on an actual new piece and feature for this podcast all about drum majors. And you're going to have to stay tuned to find out what it's going to be about. So Looking forward to that, and we'll see you next week. All right, so now it's time for us to get our uh, history lesson of the week. So each week, marching arts um, pageantry museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. I know that we have tons uh, more stories that will come, so take it away, Bill. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Ives from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania for this week's fascinating snippet of marching pageantry history. Very early on a July morning in 1971, Blue Rock departed from Penns Grove, New Jersey en route to compete in the prestigious CYO Nationals competition at Cawley Stadium in Lowell, Massachusetts. This show featured 14 cores including all the major contenders including the Santa Clara Vanguard, Anaheim Kingsmen, Casper Troopers, Chicago Cavaliers, Boston Crusaders, Madison Scouts, and the Blue Stars, and more. The trip was going well until the Corps reached Connecticut, and the girls' bus making its debut trip was struck by a drunken driver. No Corps members were injured, but the Corps was forced to sit on the side of I-95 for over three hours while the police completed their reports. 
Upon finally arriving in Lowell, an hour before the show, Corps members were told to get a quick shower and then get dressed in uniform and go through a brief warm-up. That night, Blue Rock was on fifth among the 14 competing corps, and despite having no practice time, won the CYO National Championship by three and a half points, defeating every major corps for the first time in Blue Rock history. That night, the corps celebrated their championship by spending the night at their housing site, a converted barn, sleeping under Army surplus air mattresses. Stay tuned to future podcast episodes for more fascinating snippets from the colorful history of this wonderful activity we call the Marching Arts. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. Well, we've learned from the past, now it's time to move on to the present. That's right, Nicole. And if you don't follow at Drum Corps today on Instagram yet, you should. They are keeping us all up to date with everything that's going on in Drum Corps. So meet our newest correspondent, Jeremy, from last week's show. So take it away, Jeremy. Hey, everyone. Drum Corps today with another Drum Corps news segment. First up, we have the rehearsal camps that are coming up. This weekend, only two camps are scheduled. Stentors have a camp up north in Sherbrooke, Quebec, Canada, from Friday, April 7th to Saturday, April 8th. Impulse has a brass rehearsal camp out west in Gardenia, California, on Saturday, April 8th. Next weekend, there are eight camps lined up. Out west, Vessel has a brass camp in San Dimas, California, on April 16th. Gold has a brass camp in Eastvale, California, from Saturday, April 15th to Sunday, April 16th. Down south, Genesis has a brass camp in Bastrop, Texas, from Friday, April 14th, to Saturday, April 16th. Heading a bit east, Heat Wave has a brass and color guard camp in Interlochen, Florida, from February, April 14th to Sunday, April 16th. And Impact has a camp in Orlando, Florida, on Sunday, April 16th. In the Northeast, Raiders have a brass camp in Salem, New Jersey, from Friday, April 14th to Sunday, April 16th, with Sunday opening up to color guard members as well. In the Midwest, two new sound sport corps each have a camp. Eclipse has a camp in Indianapolis, Indiana, on Sunday, April 16th, and Northern Lights has a camp, Skegan, Michigan, on Saturday, April 15th, where they'll be rehearsing their 2023 production, Cathedral, featuring music by Debussy, Tchaikovsky, and Wagner. In addition to that, there have also been two more cores that have released their 2023 productions. Spartans will be shooting the medal at Open Class Finals with their production, Surreal, featuring music by Ojos de Brujos, The Deer Hunter, Mingus, Halifa, and No Doubt. And Guardians will be celebrating their 10th anniversary with their production, I Know the End, featuring music by the Alabama Shakes, If Jihan Atunde Ajua, Radiohead, My Chemical Romance, and original music by Ben Helton, Matt Penland, and Tyler Sammons. Our next topic is scholarships. There are still 21 scholarships up for grabs to help with those bloated tour fees, but deadlines are coming up fast. 14 of those deadlines are next week, so make sure to check them out before time's up. Lastly, if you're looking for a spot this summer, there's still over a thousand open spots waiting for you. All of this information can be found on our Instagram page at Drumcore Today, and links to everything can be found at the link in our bio or linktree slash Drumcore Today. And stay tuned for more Drumcore news. All right, let's move right into our news segment. Tom, want to kick us off? Sure. So uh, I've got first some, you know, university news. Rutgers University is one of the oldest uh, colleges in the nation. Um, and for the first time ever, they're going to have a female 
band director. Taking huge steps. Good for those guys. Um, uh, Her name is, and I'm sorry if I I get your name wrong, uh, Julia uh, Bonmus. I hope I got that right. But congratulations to you. Uh, uh, Sounds like um, great things are going to happen there. And and that's going to be so awesome. And not only is she like the first female band director, she's an immigrant too, or or her her she's a only a first generation American, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I believe so. Philippine Islands. She's okay. uh, so yeah, way cool. Yeah, her mom's just as excited. My mom would be too. Wow, congratulations, <laughs> Nicole. What do you have for us? All right, so let's see. It in North Carolina. We have a volunteer story, which honestly, like a lot of these programs, college, high school, uh, you know, DCI, WGI is run on volunteers. But this volunteer story started in the late 1970s. I mean, sorry, started in the late 1970s. Um, And it's Edwin Owens. Uh, He was a student at Davie High School. He played trumpet and then he played tuba in the marching band um, all throughout high school. He went to Appalachian University, State University. Uh, So during his time, he learned how to pack musical instruments into the vans, buses or wherever the transportation was going. And I know that we all know what that is because like some of us were on the like boating crew for DCI. Yeah, it's Tetris, especially if you're by yourself. It's worse Tetris. So um, anyway, so he managed to um, he managed the uniform closet, taking care of and, you know, distributing the uniforms. And he was on every band trip since 1979. That is oh every band gosh. trip since the year after I was born. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot okay. of band. Right. It's a ton of band. And um so he, he says that it's all about the kids. And when they stop wanting me around, I'll probably quit. <laughs> I completely agree about that. And honestly, I'm glad that they have highlighted him because it is just one of those, it's one of those things where you, I mean, we all know this, you find your tribe and then you, a lot of band kids are like this too. It's just like, I'm not going to wait around for somebody to tell me what to do. I'm going to go and do something, right? you know? And keep going with it. So I think it's awesome that they've highlighted um, Edwin and his volunteer story. And well, I hope they never stop wanting him around. Absolutely agree. Well, I have not, this is not good news. My, my story here. Um, This is, but it is something we need to be aware of because this could happen to any marching ensemble and we really need to be careful of it. Uh, the Akron police are searching for a thief who stole a band trailer from Ellett High School on Wolf Avenue. Uh, oh, it's, I believe it's worth more than $10,000. Mm. They actually captured the guy on video, surveillance videos, at 8 a.m. on March 26th. And he just basically pulled into the parking lot and hooked it up and took the trailer like he took his time he knew where it was. He came like in the middle of the day oh and just took it. Like, I don't know. He, he actually came with tools. Like, like it's not just like the trailer was just sitting out somewhere where anybody could mm-hmm. access it. He came with tools to break the trailer free and then attach it to his pickup truck. So, so he knew what he was doing. This was premeditated. He knew. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, I, just, I, I, I can't, lowest form of being a thief stealing from a school 
Yes. Oh. Uh, you know, not that being any lower, you know, a thief could be, but. Well, that's terrible. I've heard of, and and the thing about this, and I hate to say it, but it it is kind of common for people to take van trailers and there's a lot of money inside of them too. Yeah. Because a lot of people will keep, you know, a lot of schools will keep stuff in there. So yeah, I I feel. I've seen a half dozen here in California over the last couple of years. Just as a side note, Guard Closet does not accept stolen items for consignment. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> you know what? Nobody will. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nobody should, for sure. Numbers, so you wasted your time. But are they taking um, like any kind of like donations or anything like that to get... Uh, not that I know of. I think more of right now, they're still just trying to find the thief and trying to find the... Uh, trying to basically get the get the, the trailer back is what they're trying to do at this point in time so well i wish them all the love yeah man. i wish them the best you know the community will come together and and that person won't get far i hope so too uh tom being from boston, boston. it sounds like you have another uh <laughs> you have another story for us today i do and it's always lovely when it's about drumming right the uh, the hamilton garrett music and arts academy in boston uh, has decided to uh, expand an after-school program. And what better way to do it than putting together a drum line? Right? So um, it's open to all, all the kids in, in the community uh, to join up and be part of. Uh, and they partner up with, with a, a historic Charles Street African Methodist Episcopal Church. Uh, wow. And that's, I've seen that church. Um, beautiful. So, uh, you know, you want to drum, be part of uh, the community, go check that out. Uh, and it sounds like such a cool program. And um, anytime you can add a drum line to anything, it's a great fit. I, I don't care what it is. After school, daycare, add a drum line, church program, add a drum line. <laughs> all the beats, any beats, all the time, everywhere. <laughs> right. I feel like it's such an essential part of our history and culture. Like, if you think even as far back as like Native American tribes and Native African tribes and whatever, and they're having like drum circles mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, it's so like drumming is that it is yeah. who we are. Yeah, they did it on um supposedly like the way that they got warmed up on the set of uh, Wakanda Forever is that they had an actually a guy with drums like with the hand drums and stuff like that. It's used everywhere. It's oh, everywhere. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I have another really fun story now because I had such a sad story. I have to have a fun one now. Um, there is a an independent ensemble in Hawaii. And and I, I hope I don't pr- pr- butcher this pronunciation. It's called Kaikalino. Uh, and, and basically there, it's really, really fun because it's, it's so different for the people of Hawaii. You know, they're used to doing things outside because the weather there is beautiful all the time. So they're used to doing things outside. They're used to, you know, wearing their grass skirts and everything. And like doing winter guard for them is so much different because they're indoors. They're in an air conditioned gym. They aren't competing with other sports for space because, everybody else is doing everything outside and it's just such a such a different uh such a different thing for for their culture uh, i really related to this a lot because they talk about being a um uh really remote basically you know being off in hawaii you can only pull 
performers from Hawaii. And, you know, where I live, it's kind of the same situation. We really can only pull performers from a a fairly close area because there's so many hills and mountains to get to where we are. And, and it's crazy that, that you can't just pull people in. You have to take the people that you have and train them Mm. up to be what you want them to be. And, you know, kudos to them because they are such a hardworking team, such a hardworking team in order to really, really perfect their craft. Honestly, too. And I mean, with the backdrop of Hawaii, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would love that. I mean, let's do um, the one thing that I've been loving for over half my life and then put it somewhere. Destination. So you're saying we need to do um, an on a water break clinic out in Hawaii. We need them. Uh, if anybody from Kaikolino is listening, mm-hmm. call us up. Nicole and I are ready. We'll come and yes. spin some flags with you. We're easy travelers. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Let's get um, some drum lines started over there with Tom. <laughs> oh, you know, I I feel like Dayton's run its course. <laughs> We all need to go to Hawaii for championships and have a wonderful time. That sounds oh. perfect. <laughs> I like that. Could you guys imagine? You know, I mean, honestly, I have some friends who actually have taught in um, in Hawaii before. And they have that, you know, obligatory uh, Hawaiian t-shirt, let's take a picture together photo. And I'm like, really, you guys? Like, <laughs> that's a flex. Yes. I'm not, I don't know who you are that's a flex so yeah I would love to do that even if it is once so yeah 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 Nicole one more news story why don't you take this one okay um so this kind of hits home to me just because of like uh you know I would say in the last maybe four uh four years uh, a lot of teachers have taken a pivot you know, from teaching to go to something else. And not just from like after teaching for maybe five years or maybe, you know, but like after teaching for 25 years. So uh, there's a new story um, about a teacher from Oklahoma whose tweet went viral because, um, and I'll just read the tweet. And it just says, I quit teaching today. I have completed year 25 in May. The disrespect by students, parents, politicians, and the public in general is just too much to tolerate. Good luck to those who persevere. Education is a sinking ship and the only ones who can save it um, made the holes. So, you know, and, and seeing some of that, I'm not saying like, this is my story. It's not at all, but like being able to listen and really think about this, it's just like, oh, and this is a band, this is a band director. You know, and you, we all have gone, you know, have had band directors and they're even, you know, uh, what do you call it? Survived through our old programs for years and years and years. And um, not just because they are band teachers, but they're teachers just like any other teacher. Like there's a lot that's on the teacher's shoulders right now. It's true. It's true. And there's huge shortages within not just band teachers, but there's huge shortages in percussion instructors there's huge shortages oh, yeah. in guard directors and um designers and even some techs because you know it's not just getting them out there but it's also keeping them like right <laughs> i know all my stuff comes back full circle but it's just like it's the appreciation of having those people there you know to teach yeah them. and and my best friend who's a director at templeton 
had a bit of the same crisis going into this this coming year. Um, who's been a teacher his entire life, and he's he's a fantastic teacher. Um, and, and you know, said to me in June, I think I'm done, Tom. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, he's back, and we're we're still hammering out fun shows and whatnot. Um, and, and he's found a new light, but he had all those same concerns. In this article, too, I mean, Irby talks about how, um, you know, when he was when he was taught to teach 20, 30 years ago in a different world, um, he was told, like, don't smile until January. We're supposed to discipline strongly, control your classroom, don't get personally involved with students and demand they call you Mr. or Mrs. And um, I, I feel like that's the tough love part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as we are all, you know, band kids, I, I mean, I wear my band nerddom with pride and, um, there is very little, like, you know, I mean, I don't know when I came up in the activity and doing marching band and band in middle school and high school, like there was never really a problem with being disrespectful or anything because you all loved band. You right. all love playing your instrument. So like, yes, I wanted that teacher to like me so I can get taught more and get more information and all this other stuff. And so I, I don't know what it's like right now uh, in those classrooms. The, for thing, a lot of the-, the thing that gets me the most, I think I, I come from, I, I was a biology teacher, a public school biology teacher for 11 years. And the thing is like, I saw how the students were in my classroom to me when they didn't want to be there, they were, they had to be there because, you know, they had, they were required to take my core class as a credit to graduate. And Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm seeing that we're seeing this now, not just in those core classes, but in band, in art classes, in choir, where kids are there because they choose to be there and they, they want to be there. It's like, I, I, it, it terrifies me for where the, where the education is headed with this. And I, Mm -hmm. I honestly think, I feel like, band and music and art are going to be the things that could save it. And they're the things that keep getting cut every year. He does say that. And in the article too. Um, And like the last, just little part of this is just like, it it doesn't all end in a bad way. Um, He has been contacted by other school districts. um, They have openings. Um, And he does say, Hey, the teacher shortage is real. Mm -hmm. So no wonder that. No wonder that's happening. So. Well, hopefully the schools are starting to figure it out and starting to realize like, oh, we need to pay better respects to our teachers and help them out and, uh, you know, do better. Mm-hmm. I know here recently, the school district that I used to work at got a pay raise. So maybe, maybe they're starting to wake up to it. So okay. <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. Thanks for a great rehearsal this week. Thank you to our hosts, Tom and Nicole. You guys are so wonderful to chat with. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you to Whitney for your season finale advice, as well as Bill from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum. Follow them on social media at marching underscore pageantry underscore arts underscore museum. Joshua from the Drum Major Leadership Academy at DMLA Training and Jeremy from at Drum Corps Today. Super big thank you from the bottom of my heart to the amazing Ann Fields for helping us with the Peggy Twigs interview. Oh, absolutely. Next week is going to be our WGI guard predictions episode, and it's going to be released on Tuesday instead of Friday. We want you guys to be able to listen 
on your way to championships. So literally driving or flying or whatever, get your headphones, listen to <laughs> your the guard predictions episode as you prepare to watch everybody in person or if you're on float marching, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, now, then the following- are you guys going to give like quick little why you think like what's so great? What should we check out kind of thing as well? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay, okay, good. We've given I, I, I was... so much. It's crazy. <laughs> then the week after that, the following Tuesday, we will have our percussion predictions episode with Stephen and Tom and their mystery what? guests. It's going to be so, so much fun. Make sure you subscribe, write us a review, and share this with a friend. We will see you at the next rehearsal on a water break. Don't forget to follow us on social media at on a water break. We'll see you later. Go practice. Thank <laughs> you.